Hi, you're listening to Love Work, Skills for Relational Life. I'm Jerry Sanders. This is my co-host, Christy Gaysford in Utah. Hi, Hi Jerry. Christy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to you see too. you. I have some energy for coming out west and seeing the Westies people out in Salt Lake City this, what's that, a week and a half from now or something? Yeah, two weeks. Well, yeah, almost a week yeah. May 12th and 13th. It's exciting. It is. I'm excited to have you out uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. So if anyone's listening and lives kind of west of the Mississippi and wants to be with us, here's your chance to do it. And then we're coming east to New York City in June. So all that's on our website, loveworkrelationships.com. Just go to How We Help. Click on down to boot camps. Also, if you want to give us feedback or ideas for topics we should consider, or if we made you happy or not happy about something we said, you can contact us via the contact tab on our loveworkrelationships.com website. And we've had people do that already, and they've given us good ideas for future podcasts. So please do, because otherwise we're just talking and we don't know who you are, you know, and we want to know who you are. Yeah, okay, so today's topic, and, and I confess to being the one who came up with this topic. So if anyone has uh, upset feelings about it, direct it to me. Uh, the topic is, how did we word it? All she or he wants is sex. And I admit, when I came up with the idea, I was going to call it all he wants is sex. But I realized there are the cases where it's not that specific where just a man is that way it could be a woman as well most commonly in my practice my private practice i find the complaint is pretty much one way all he wants is sex um what do you find christy yeah i i definitely find it is much more the um the woman saying all he wants is sex there are some rare exceptions but predominantly yes and how commonly do you hear something like that it may not be in the first session or it may be in the first session but how often do you hear stuff like that um i would say there's some there's maybe a few people a week at least that say that yeah what would you say yeah me too so it's very common and it's a very common upset slash complaint so i thought it it warranted a full program of looking at what's really going on when someone presents with that and I'll, I'll we haven't pre we haven't run our ideas past each other yet so we're going to be discovering ideas as we do this program but I have a lot of thoughts about it to me this represents an area where it's the intersection of all your feelings about your body or body literacy and all your understandings about your emotions, emotional literacy. It touches on issues of boundaries, on your urges, on the concept of a sex drive, on your thoughts, on your feelings, angers, hungers, feelings of entitlement or expectation. You know? Yeah, it, I, I think so too. There's, it's complicated. I mean, actually, yes. I was going to say, there are cases where I don't think it's complicated at all, and I think they're rare. Say what you mean. Yeah, what uh, do you think? I think sometimes uh, there are men that all they do want is sex, period. 
like we don't have to complicate it that that's mostly what they want from their wife and she's not wrong to feel that way that's rare though but i'm just saying there's okay. a lot of and i uh the complication part comes into why and where are those guys coming from to me and obviously we're talking about uh we are today at least we're talking about heterosexual uh, marriages or long-term relationships and i'm going to be strongly influenced by being a male and i'm guessing you're going to be strongly influenced by being yeah. a female so we i think it's so good to have this conversation there have been times when someone has hurled that out in the air as such a stinging accusation all he wants is sex that it sounds like the solution is to take the person out back and shoot them with a firing squad. Mm -hmm. that, that it's utterly horrifying and disqualifying that this person wants sex and presses ahead with the need for sex so much or alternately has given up and is petulant and pouty and nasty and angry about I'm not getting sex. Mm -hmm. So it makes it so loaded an issue that it's really hard for couples to talk about what they do need and where they're coming from and what's, you know, beneath that polarization. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of times sex is more tangible and so it's used as um, kind of like the marker for how they think things are going in the relationship and and they don't know how to say I don't feel close to you I want more emotional closeness I I want more spiritual and intellectual intimacy with you they just know that they're not having sex and it's like a tangible thing that they can and and that's one of the ways they feel close and so it becomes an easy marker or tangible thing they can complain about um, but it really isn't just about sex at all. And I would argue that men have been raised with such a limited palette of understanding about what our needs are and what our wants are that it is almost unrecognizable to most women who are raised with a broader palette of possibilities I'll explain in a second but I, I was thinking when people feel disconnected in this area that one person wants or demands sex more than the other the what people end up feeling either tricked or denied and rejected or they give in to do something they didn't really want to do just in a codependent mm -hmm. way hoping it makes the other person happy but when they can come together with an understanding of what good sexual connection is for a relationship, they can leave feeling wonderful and re-energized and together. Or when it goes south, they can feel criticized, rejected, and marginalized. And the, the example that most comes to mind to my ears that I'm always hearing about is the sort of legendary infamous back rub he said he just wanted to give me a back rub. Well, we all know what that means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's become the standard 
you know, I look over at the guy and he's looking down at his feet like, well, you know, okay, what's what's so wrong with the back rub, you know, and her kind because that's not just a back rub. So she ends up refusing or withdrawing from physical contact. He's wounded and and feels like other married people have back rubs. What the heck is wrong with us? Yeah, and um, what I hear from the woman is... Um, he starts being nice to me and then I know oh he must want sex because he hasn't paid any attention to me and now he's being nice to me and I don't want to have sex with him because as soon as I do he'll stop being nice to me or or stop showing much interest in me it's like he got what he wanted and and now I'm he doesn't have a use for me till he wants it again so that I think there you can see how these well play out against each other yep yep there's a lot of landmines here so let let's review sex is one of five forms of intimacy and it's the predominant one if you ask people what does intimacy mean Mm -hmm. they'll say like have you been intimate with each other they'll say oh you mean sex but you want to spell out for people what our five areas of intimacy are? Yeah, there's emotional intimacy, which is being able to share your, your feelings and your emotions and really feel understood with your partner. There's intellectual intimacy, where you share your thoughts and your ideas, and you feel like you really connect in an intellectual way. There's spiritual intimacy, which is kind of like a shared, a shared um, purpose, a shared vision, a shared view of life and, and where you're headed together. Um, physical intimacy, which is like hand-holding or, or back rubs or um, just being with each other in a physical way. And then there's sexual intimacy, which is sex, sexual intimacy. Okay. So obviously, if you're in a relationship that has all these five areas in a good enough zone, you've got the whole enchilada. You've got you're doing really, really well. But I think it's fairly common if you ask a couple to rate where they are with these five areas to not come up with the same ratings. That if you ask people, uh, well, what's the most important of those five to this relationship? That's where you're going to start seeing different answers. And I want to go to that old social work saying differences are not deficits. The fact that you answer differently doesn't mean you're not cut out for each other or the marriage is doomed or something. So very often, the man would rate sex higher up on the list of importance of these five things than the woman would, I believe. There may be, that may not be universally true, but it's commonly true, I think. And I think there's an explanation for this that has to do with what men are allowed, how we experience the world in terms of speaking out and expressing ourselves. Mm. A lot of men grow up very quiet about areas that women are not quiet. Um, Emotional, you know, who needs what, kind of the things that we think of as relational. And men grow up feeling they're supposed to go to work um provide i mean and uh the two areas where they are allowed to speak up are the areas of anger or rage and sex 
And this is their emotional palette that we get vocal about anger or sex and, and not too much else. You think that's because it's not modeled for them? It's not taught to them? Yes. I think, you know, we're looking at what did we see modeled for us in our families of origin? How did our parents, what did they show with regard to sex and physical attraction and things? What about our older siblings? What about our culture? And what about social media? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think you start seeing a lot of exaggeration that everyone's having great, explosive, mind-blowing sex and that if you're not, you're some sort of problem. And I don't think men are still modeled lots of the other kinds of intimate connections. You know, now there are some people who say, oh no, my parents went out and gardened every weekend and they, you know, did these all these physical activities that were holding hands, that were very connected. But more commonly, I'm not hearing people who saw those other areas of intimacy modeled and they just thought that um, sex is it. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this becomes like a, to a female watching, this becomes a very narrow overemphasis on sex as the way to connect. And for a man, it becomes a very pressured topic area. I actually went to a uh, workshop in February taught by Dr. Dan Water, W-A-T-T-E-R, called The Existential Importance of the Penis. And he's a doctor, a medical doctor, and he has done research into the psychology of aging men Mm. and a type of existential panic that sets in when they're feeling like their physical equipment doesn't work like it used to anymore. And his conclusion was that men often communicate their emotional distress via their penis. And as weird as that sounds, what he's saying is if they're having a problem with it or going through some erectile dysfunction, they see themselves as broken, defective, humiliated, less of a man, and that they've lost the ability to have connection and sex because they're not performing like they used to. That's interesting because I've seen that play out in couples where um, the man is feeling that, (laughs) what you just described. He's feeling anxious. He's feeling a loss of his manhood. He's feeling really insecure. And so he wants his, he, he projects that onto his wife saying, you need to have sex with me. We need to have more sex. Why don't you want more sex with me? This is the thing that matters most to me, and you're withholding it from me. Like, on and on. But when it, when we it finally came down to it, when we kept getting deeper, he actually couldn't even have much sex. It wasn't even yeah. about him having sex. It was about him feeling okay about himself and n- kind of needing her to, to make him feel better about himself, which doesn't work we know but um you can see where where that came from yeah i mean you're talking in our terms you're talking about a boundaryless kind of love dependent who's focused it all about sex and really pressured himself in a very harsh way that this is the way i am going to feel connected 
And more importantly, this is the way I'm going to feel seen and valued in this relationship. This is, in essence, the only way I'm going to believe mm-hmm. that I'm loved. It's the only way I'm going to believe that my wife really loves me. Right. And, it's this and that's why they yeah. love language. Yeah, and that's why they pour it on. It's like they're fighting for this validity and this connection in the only way they know how and aren't even aware as pushing someone away isn't particularly attractive and isn't even equated with great sex. No. That's the irony. Totally. It's like So it's just this needy It's like their thing. own anxiety to feel needed and wanted and so they push it and then after they might even feel like, Oh yeah, now we're fine. I, I've I've had people, um, men that are shocked when their wife isn't happy when they find out and they say stuff like, but we've been having sex two or three times a week, thinking that everything must be fine as long as we're having sex, not realizing that emotionally she feels miles apart because he hasn't really taken the time to, to even check in with her. It's just about... And that's, that's, that's a discussion men have to have. Like when you say check in with her, uh, that does not mean just going to bed. No. And that's just... Yeah. So I think a, a subtext to all of this is when you have two individuals who find each other and love each other, that doesn't mean they necessarily have the same feelings about touch, about physical touch. Like how much you like to be touched was influenced by all those things I mentioned before, your family, your siblings, your older siblings, your your experiences were you touched in an abusive boundary violating way ever was there some abuse that happened to you and then what feelings do you have about social media so i've seen a couple where uh she did not like to be touched by anyone and he to him Sex was the most major way of believing that someone cared for him or loved him. Mm-hmm. So you could see like what this battle was always going to be about. Doesn't his wife even like him? If she likes him, what is the problem? And to her, it wasn't even that specific. Like she doesn't like or enjoy being touched. Now that's an extreme example, but it was real because underneath it all these people were dying to feel seen and valued by their partner right and she's like why do i have to touch you to be valued can you see all the other things i offer and he's like why can't you touch me that's the the most the biggest way that i do feel valued that's why it's so important to figure this stuff out and spell it out because otherwise it's like years of him pursuing her distancing her distancing him pursuing and just getting into these cycles where they get worse and worse and or they start telling themselves stories that they carve in stone like i'm the one who likes good sexual connection and my partner doesn't um well the way you're approaching it if that's the only way you're approaching it yeah, your partner's not having a good time. Um, are there, you know, let's slow down and see how it's being approached. For instance, I would argue, 
I, I actually came up with a, uh, you know how I don't like charts and graphs. Yeah. Well, I actually came up with a, uh, a chart, a continuum line. And um, I just thought we're, we're, we're all somewhere on this line. If to the left side is completely walled off, the horizon line, you know, mm -hmm. don't touch me. And the right side extreme is I need you to merge with me all the time. Yes. <laughs> Th that, you know, in order to feel okay about myself because I'm that much of a love dependent and I need to see it and feel it in this way and that way has to be intercourse, then somewhere in the middle of that kind of continuum is healthy, happy sex, wherein both people feel seen and valued in their entirety, not just for a good body part or because your body part functioned well today. It's a place, it is a spiritual, emotional place where you can come together and feel not just good enough, but fully seen and loved. But people have an enormous hard time getting there because if you, let's look at the left side of that quadrant okay. for a second, you know, the left side of that line. Mm -hmm. So all the way to the left is don't touch me. I don't like being touched. And then when you start moving a little bit more towards touchability, it's like awkward touch. Mm -hmm. We touch, but it feels, you know, like, where is this going? What do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like suspicious touch. So one person's getting something and the other one's not enjoying it. Yeah, guarded. They're guarded. And then a little bit more toward the center would be like, I call it family-friendly, affectionate touch. Stuff that could happen in front of, you know, your cousin or your aunt or, you know, grandma or something and would not be inappropriate. Yeah. That's something that's mutually enjoyed. You know, I loved it when you hold my hand or I love it when you rub my shoulder or gave me a kiss. That's great. Then there's that circle of health, you know, happy, good enough sex for both people. Now we're moving to the right end of this line, which starts to get needy which is I feel insecure if you aren't having enough sex with me. Yes. Like I feel not good. And then the next one over is I need you to merge with me always. I need to be merged with you. And that becomes usually, in what I've seen in my practice, a demand for intercourse as if there's only one thing in the world that equals sex and that sex is an on-off switch. There's off or there's intercourse. And if they're not getting intercourse at the frequency that they need, and again, if someone's a, a you know, boundaryless, needy person, how much do they need? If they're not getting it, then it's not sex and there's something damaged with the couple. That's a fierce place to live yeah and you can see how if somebody's too needy they're gonna the, their partner's gonna want to be more and more guarded because they feel like they're taking from them instead of both of them showing up in the middle I, I mean to have healthy a healthy sex life there has to be enough self-esteem where both people feel like they can say no and 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 not have a repercussion like 
not tonight. Yeah, could you explain I that? I love you, yeah. but Why I'm not in the mood tonight. And then the person can say, okay, like I, I love and value myself enough that I can handle that and not withdraw or, or pout or be angry. There has to be... Because they're believing, they're believing the first thing you said, that I love you. Yeah, and it's... I love you. It's not that you don't want me or you're not attracted to me. But if, if people don't start feel like they have a choice to say no without some kind of... Revenge sounds hard, but retaliation, then they're going to start to be more and more guarded about it and and I think not want to give so freely. Like, because you're not respecting my no. So I think on a practical level, what you're saying is the person who's not feeling like like it right now can be can usefully convey their feelings of love for someone and suggest I'm really looking forward to a rain check on this. Yes. Yes. And then they should give them the rain check and even initiate it. That's great. Because you don't you don't always want to be the distance taker. Then the other person start, stops wanting to pursue. And they just feel like, if I have to be the pursuer all the time, they become worn out. So I do think that's important to, to take I think turns. so, too. And, you know, uh, not to um, make too much of the same point, but I, I came up with a second a second little chart I'm proud of too, which is on the right-hand extreme of boundaryless neediness is intercourse only, and on the left is nothing. Don't need it. Don't want it. Don't touch me. And so, as you move towards the middle, the middle is comprised of a huge variety of activities, mm. of physical activities. We don't need to spell them all out, but you can find them and and there's so many ways of having pleasure with a partner there's so many ways Mm -hmm. there's not one way so if people who love each other can be very creative around that huge variety of activities but if you start at the left and you start moving towards the center the middle part of almost connectability is doing the same old thing or the same or the old same thing all the time you know, uh, in terms of activities or sexual activities. Okay, let's do the same old thing or do the old same thing. There's little exploration as if someone isn't really fascinated with the other person's body. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's do it. Let's it. get it over let's with, do it. too. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. And then the middle is like the huge variety of activities. And then when you start getting boundaryless more, there's the codependent sex which is, okay, whatever you need, whatever you want. Whatever it takes to get you off my back or to not be upset with me. Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe you'll like me. Then maybe you'll love me. And then finally, the the intercourse-only demand, which can leave people feeling quite disconnected. Mm -hmm. Quite disconnected, much to the chagrin of the man usually the man who feels like this was the end all and be all if if it was why are they not happier so and the, my only other observation is that all this evolves as you age as well i was thinking about this that 
The one thing I can confidently say about my practice is people report that after having children, all this evolves, all this changes. You mean by necessity. when they're young or as it continues to evolve after they're, as they grow, as the children grow and leave the house too? Both, yeah. As you age and as your bodies age, and I mean, if we take as a matter of faith, and I do, that there is a sex drive and that the sex drive doesn't remain the same exactly between ages 30 and 80, but has some sort of, you know, peak and then uh, then it sort of wanes, then you can see that the ability to come together in the center with a huge variety of activities and happy, healthy sex prevents despair and the kind of existential freak out that the guy was talking about by men whose penises aren't working as well as they used to or women who aren't feeling as sexy after age whatever 60 than they used to these are it's all okay if you're you've found a way to be in the center but if you're off into boundaryless neediness stuff or walled off stuff it will be battles. Yeah, it will become and something really, that divides It's you. important to um, talk about where you fall on that continuum, and honestly, give yourself a lot of give yourself a break. Don't be too hard on yourself. You are where you are for a reason, and that's okay. But if you're in a relationship, it's important to find a place where you can both be happy. So if you're more on the walled off side and your partner wants a lot more sex, then if you, if you, if you were alone, you d- would never have to have sex. But because you're in a relationship, it's like, okay, how much can I generously give without being resentful? Because I, I love my partner and want them to be happy. And if you're on the other side, it's like, okay, what, what's in a re- reasonable amount for me to ask? without pushing them away or being too needy like how can we respect where we both fall on this continuum so we both feel respected and happy agreed i I would take it further as well and suggest that sometimes sometimes someone knows um a greek restaurant and that the other partner has never eaten greek food and you say hey have you ever checked out greek food no i haven't and they try something and they like it Mm mm-hmm that it may be that your partner introduces you to something that didn't cross your mind or wasn't in your toolbox of ordinary activities that is wonderful and that and now it's your turn to find something wonderful i mean if it's a this is why a lot of people report that sex becomes better after age 50 better because kids are gone mm-hmm. There's no knocks at the door. You don't have to like put the locks on the door anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actual time and space to unwind and be creative and have some fun and relax. But that's only if you haven't created these walls and these concrete positions. Because at its worst, it can sound like one person likes the idea of connecting physically and the other is disgusted by it which is probably not true Mm -hmm. but it may be that the person who's coming off that way has had some bad experiences and they may not even have been with you so 
it's not so cut and dry and i just have a half smile on my face now when when someone's presenting with this like let's take this person out back and shoot him because all they want is sex i'm trying to find the middle space with a couple that they both actually want where where all physical contact is welcomed and invited well also you know a statement like that is is pretty black and white you know it's I don't think That's anyone right. just wants sex um, all of the time. I think that um, maybe maybe we just don't know how to talk about our relationship and we don't know how to talk about our other needs. And so it seems like he wants sex, but he really wants to be close to me and doesn't know how. Or there's yeah, a lot of... I, yeah, I, that's... That's why I was saying is that juncture of emotional literacy along with body knowledge, your own body knowledge. What does your body say you want or need? And that's going to vary between individuals and vary as you age as well. Mm-hmm. I I'm do thinking. think there's um, a handful of couples who sex is, they both love sex and it's the glue to their relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but even in those couples, they need to be careful that it's not just a band-aid and just because they have great sex they're not looking at the other issues that are not being addressed because those can come or up not, later or that they've yeah they may be very undeveloped in those other four areas of intimacy mm-hmm. and you know if you just lived in the bedroom 24 7 all would be well right but um we don't yeah that's <laughs> true it's such a rich area though isn't it and and not talked about enough yeah we need a lot more curiosity about our partners i think and their experiences and it, 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 it's a it's a hard topic because it's loaded with insecurity and judgment and preconceived ideas and self-esteem and you know i think one reason people might have sex better sex after 50 although i'm not there yet so i, I can't say but um is because people are more comfortable with themselves the older they get the more yes yeah secure they are Usually, not always. It's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? It's sort of like peaks, that that feeling of, am I right? Is my body right? Am I doing everything the right way? Seems to peak between ages 20 and 40 to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, You're I think closer to I find age. people in their 40s are much more secure, too. Just more mm-hmm. comfortable in their own skin. There's not as much competing anymore. Yeah, and at age 50, I remember feeling and seeing, like, I don't care anymore. Like, what, some people are going to like me, some are not going to like me. I'm not going to try and bend myself into, you know, anything to try and please them. And that was such a nice relief after trying to figure out how to be. A lot of people just spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to be. And worrying, you know, am I right? Is this other couple having sex more than us? Or... You know, just all those insecurities mm-hmm. about yourself. Am I right in this world? <laughs> right, right. But um, yeah, I would say don't don't stop talking about this and and don't assume that. I mean, if you think things are fine bec- because you have sex and that's your barometer, don't assume it's your partner's. Don't assume because you think it's fine that they're feeling fine emotionally or intellectually or all the other ways. Like, these these do need to be talked about. Yep. And if, if um, 
if you're a woman and your husband's not too understandable to you in this area, and it seems to be a real overemphasis on sex, if you can get to the point of asking questions about that and what that's like, and even asking about what kind of messages they received as a kid or a boy, um, you might really learn more about your partner emotionally. If you can get past, you know, the resentment be- that they're so different from you, because we are different, mm-hmm. you know, but difference okay if you want to know about the differences. And for a guy to be curious, like I had to help that man get to why do you think your wife doesn't like to be touched? Not why intellectually, but why can you empathize with that? Can you imagine not wanting to be touched, you know? It's a hard one for him. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And if you're a woman that thinks you don't want it ever, figure out why too. Because is it because of how you're being treated? Or is it because of history? Or or is it because you you feel like that's all he wants, so you don't want to give it? I mean... There's a lot to be figured out. Yeah, there may be if the only place you feel power is to say no. Mm-hmm. And and then you've got to look at what's the power like in our relationship. <laughs> right. And well, this is the kind of work we do, isn't it? It is, yes. All right, now we're going to have some sort of fight around this topic, and we don't even have that planned yet. Um what would it be like? Uh, we're going to make believe we're married and I'm going to be demanding and uh, do it wrong. Okay. Uh, and I'll do it wrong to gonna, it first. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, you can go do it. We'll both do it wrong. Okay. okay. So, what happened with Wednesday night? What are you- it's supposed to be date night. Date night. Remember? Write it down, put it on your calendar or something. Date night. What do you mean? What what Date happened when night. Do I have to sp- We had dinner, we watched a few minutes of the news. And? Yeah, and nothing. Nothing what? Oh, because we didn't have sex after? Uh-huh. Wait, did I say we were, did we say we were gonna have sex after? Or do you just We said it was gonna be date night. I mean like been a while, you know, we said it's going to be date night. Okay, I didn't know date night meant sex. And by the way, you didn't mm-hmm. you didn't initiate. Mm-hmm. We watched a show and you didn't initiate anything. Why is it on me? It's I not figured on you. you. Didn't. Now you make it sound like a pity party or something. It's not on you. It's well, like you're acting upset about it, but you didn't initiate it. Well, I am upset. I'm just, other, how come other couples don't? Other, other people, like, if you're married, you know. You'd think you'd be able to go past third base now and then, you know? Oh, brother. Yeah, but why is it on me? You didn't initiate. Now you're getting mad at me because date night didn't happen. Like, why didn't you initiate it if you well, wanted it? I want to see what would happen. The answer was nothing. Oh, you're just going to... It was like a test. You were testing me. I'll see what happens if I do nothing and maybe she'll... It was like proving something to myself that, like, unless I, you know... Unless I do it, it doesn't happen. 
You know, I, I am... This has to change. This has to change. What has to change? This has to change. I can't... I can't live like this. Yeah, well, you can't can live I. like this. You can't live like what? Uh, just always being the one who... It, like, I don't think this is important to you. And, and I don't want to be, like, the freak who it's important to and, and locked in a place like this is... The only place where sex can be in my life, but if I even look at another woman, there's like a ferocious reaction, like, how dare you? Like I, I said we could have date night, know. and then you didn't do anything, and if that's not on me for not reading your We got all mind. screwed up. Whatever. <laughs> uh. If you're out there and this resonates for you, like... <laughs> Fix it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We can do this better way. Okay. So you still start badly, but I have to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I'll get better okay. too. Let me try to be better. <laughs> All right. This is a relational approach to being disappointed, by the way. You know, don't anyone think if you go to one of our boot camps or do the work that you'll never be disappointed in your partner again. Or upset oh, or annoyed or angry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Wednesday night, what happened? What do you I'm what do you mean? Date night. Remember date night? We were supposed to have date night Wednesday night. Yeah, we I thought we did. We watched we had dinner and well, watched Well, we yeah, you know, we watched like a sitcom. Yeah, we had dinner and watched a sitcom, yeah. I don't really call that date night. What do you call date night? Well, I was disappointed. It's been a long time since we connected, you know deeper you know physically oh you're disappointed because we didn't have sex yeah oh i'm i'm sorry i weren't you weren't you a little dis i mean am i the only one well i i guess i assumed that if you wanted it you would initiate it but you seemed like you went right to sleep so i figured you didn't want it Is this like the 1930s or something? Like I have to be the one to initiate it, or else, or else it doesn't happen. I don't know. Listen, maybe it, obviously, maybe it's a bad. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be snarky right there. It's just like I was disappointed. I think I was looking to see if I don't push this issue, can it still happen? Will is it important to you? Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. And, and it's I feel like an adolescent or something like I'm the one and you're more grown up and don't want it as much or something so I think that's what happens I think I hear you I think that um, we've sort of gotten into a pattern where yeah. it's not that yeah. I don't want it it's just that I'll be honest with you sometimes I feel sort of vulnerable um, initiating I feel like I make up that if you want it you'll initiate it and since you seemed like you were tired I don't want to I didn't want to like make you do that when you seemed like you were falling asleep or something and I now I hear you that you would like me to initiate more thank you for hearing that I, I also admit that like you know I gained 12 pounds over the past year. Sometimes I think that that really puts me in the firmly unattractive category and that I would even understand if someone didn't really want to be with me. And uh, 
that gets me a little hyper looking to see if I'm going to be accepted or rejected. Mm. And and that that's why I think I am. Um, that's why I think I am. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry you feel like that. That that has nothing to do with it, I promise. That I just right. I think I just got into a pattern I need to get out of it and make an effort. Put myself out there. I think we can do better. We can do better with this stuff. Yeah. Let's just keep talking. You know, we can't read each other's mind. We can't. No, we can't. <sighs> well, that was a really good switch. Yeah, it was a lot better. <laughs> that was gazillion times yeah. better. And there's no reason why people can't have it that way, right? right? I mean, what did you do that made it approachable and relational? When I felt... Um, the whoosh of defensiveness come up into my chest. I yeah. sat there and I thought, just listen to his point of view. It's not. This isn't yeah. about you. Just make your. Just listen. And when I listened to your point yeah. of view, I was able to go there instead of like defend yeah. myself. For my part, I was able to hear that you were actually trying to be considerate of me even letting me fall asleep and I felt sort of embarrassed and realized you know I got a role in this too Mm. and how did I behave and what's my role so yeah and I was able to hear the how how bad it would be to feel like you had the pressure to to always initiate yeah yeah wow we're flawed human beings huh Yeah. yeah All right. Well, that is my dog, Scout, barking in the background there. I know. Hey, Scout, you're on the podcast. Want me to go see what's going on with her, but this was great. I really look forward to seeing you in Salt Lake City and doing this work in person. Yeah, me too. See you soon. All right. See you next time. Bye.